congregational uh, prayer like that, call and response prayer, is not always something part of our tradition here in the Pentecostal church, but I love it. I love it. It's so nice to hear you all praying together. So if you don't like it, doesn't matter. I like it. And I make the order of service, so it's fine. We won't do it. No. I mean, that's true, but. Friends, how is your December going? We're close now. It's the 12th of December. Happy birthday to Rob today. Happy birthday, honey. Happy birthday to Nicole, who has a birthday twin of Rob's today. Okay, and then also, like, could I don't know what your family is like, but we could start listing December birthdays. How many of you have someone in your family who has a December birthday? Look around you. What is happening? I don't, like, I don't even know. There's so many December birthdays. So happy birthday to everybody. And also baby Jesus, who was actually not born in December. Don't worry about it, but we're going to celebrate his birthday later. You guys, we're halfway to Christmas and all the birthday celebrations that we are going through. Uh, uh, maybe you're excited. Maybe you're feeling the chaos descending. You know, like I, I think Canadian Christmas, I say Canadian, but I know there's lots of countries around the world like this. But for sure in our context in Canada, Christmas is sort of like a beautiful hybrid of um, like silver bells, silver bells. You're walking around, you're like, it's Christmas time in the city, feeling all the feels. And then also it's like, run, run, Rudolph, Santa's gonna make it to town. And it's like within the same 10 minutes, you can feel both of those feelings. Right? Right? That's how we go. That's how we do Canadian Christmas. So if that's you, just feel free, like just be free. Be like, yep, I'm in a Silver Bells moment and I'm in a Run Run Rudolph moment and all the things are happening and the 26th is coming. And one of the things that makes us um, long for that beautiful, magical Christmas season, I don't know about you, but you're always looking for moments of true joy or like deep peace. Of <laughs> You're looking for quiet and calm, ironically, in this season. You're looking for hot cocoa by the fireplace, which you maybe don't even have one, but you see it on TV or like, <laughs> or like the spontaneous snowball fight from a Hallmark movie. Just like, <laughs> like we're just looking for that. Even it's like, I don't actually want a snowball near me anywhere. Don't throw a snowball at me. I won't be happy about it. I won't be like, <laughs> if you go out there and throw a snowball at me, I'll be like, don't. Don't do that. I don't like, I don't like that. But somehow we just, we have these magical images of, of this Christmas season. And why is that? Why do we raise our hopes so high? Why do believe, we believe that the magic of Christmas will somehow restore us and recenter us and bring us comfort and joy? And honestly, all those feelings are not unfounded. It's not like we're just making stuff up out of thin air because this season actually is very beautiful. There are so many beautiful things about it. And there is something in us that longs for that all year round. There's something in us that longs for more, that just always longs for more. There's a, a discontent with, with the things in our lives that don't feel peaceful. There's a discontent in our, li in, in our lives where there's brokenness and there's relationships that are um, disunified. There's a, there's a discontent in our lives. And so this season really helps us to remember that um, there, there are better things. There are better ways to act. There, are, there is a, a more a loving way to be. And that's a really beautiful thing. And so in this season, uh, we're going to continue to look at the end times and, uh, and find hope in a secure future. That's what we're looking at specifically in this month. 
And there is something that the scriptures point to that help us understand this push and pull. If you haven't really paused to think about these two extremes that we seem to always feel in this season. Scripture teaches us probably what you know instinctively, but it really spells it out for us very well. That there are two equal and opposite truths at play at the same time. The first one is that so much of the world around us is chaos. Or so it seems, like it just seems that there's just so much going on you can never keep up. There's so many bad things in the world, you don't even know what to think about them or, or how to respond. So th that's true. You instinctively know that the world is not right, that there, is evils in the, there are evils in the world. And secondly, Scripture also tells us that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of peace. Scripture calls him the prince of peace. So these two things, though opposite are true at the same time and we can sense it we can sense it instinctively especially if you have a relationship with Christ you know this already Luke chapter 2 12 to 14 what do the angels say to the shepherds when they come and announce the birth of Jesus to them they say this this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, say it with me, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is announced right from the beginning of Jesus coming to earth. And then what does Isaiah 9, 6, you're going to hear this one, we've heard it already, you're going to hear it again, but it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and say it, Prince of Peace. Right. And so, as I said, this Advent series is called Secure in the Future. And this season, I, I want you to not only have that Christmas narrative, like what happened uh, when, when Jesus was born, firmly planted in your minds and hearts. I want you to know that story. Some of you may take it, you're like, I have heard this story since I was a kid. Some of us, it's a brand new story. So I want to make sure that no matter where we are, we know that story. You're going to hear bits and pieces of it all the way through and certainly going to hear the whole thing top to bottom on Christmas Eve. But I want you to get a glimpse of why that matters, not just at the Christmas season, but for the, for the other 11 months of the year. I want you to see how um, having a security for your future all year long, every day, and having that peace comes from knowing the Prince of Peace who was born. That's the idea. So I'm going to take you somewhere a little bit strange, but bear with me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, you can turn in your version app onto more and then events, and then you can find uh, and follow along there if that's easier. Or uh, there are also some Bibles in the seat racks in front of you, or you can just Google it even, Matthew chapter 24. That's easy to do if you're off campus with us today. So if you're looking in a Bible like mine, you'll see, and you have a red later Bible, you'll notice that most of this is in red. So these are the words of Jesus Okay, and you'll hear who he's talking to and what's going on. But remember that these are the words of Jesus almost entirely in what I'm going to read to you today. Let's start at verse 1 in Matthew chapter 24. It says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of the coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. 
For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not, certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, I, re I recognize that this passage is a lot. You're like, this is the third Sunday of Advent, Pastor. Are you confused what we're doing this morning? What kind of a Christmas series is this? Where's my comfort and joy? <laughs> Don't be nervous. There are, I, I want to take you through this passage, and then I, wanted, I, I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here because it really does apply to exactly what we're talking about this third Sunday of Advent, peace. Okay? There's a few strands of thought running through this passage, both historical and, my favorite new word, eschatological. Yes, thank you. I heard you. Ten points for Adam, who said it with me. Eschatological, just simply big word meaning uh, regarding things at the end of the end of the end of time. Okay, the end of all things. So eschatological, looking to the future, the end of all things. There are a couple of strands of thought through this passage that you're going to want to. I skipped a little bit in the middle, but it's all there. The first one is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. So this actually happened in 70 AD, okay? 70 AD, uh, the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. So this is how the passage starts. So if you flip back to where we started at the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus says, you see these things, all of this is going to be... All of this is going to be uh, destroyed. And then at the end of the passage, he also says, you know, before, he kind of comes back to that thought. He says, certainly this generation will not pass away before all of this has happened. So he's saying that, um, though, so he's sort of beginning and ending this passage with that same thought. Historically speaking, this actually happened in 70 AD. So maybe like 40-ish years after Jesus said this to his disciples. And the disciples, because the disciples were in this particular context of what Jesus is saying, they were amazed by the temple. They were like looking at, in Mark, in the same uh, parallel passage in the Gospel of Mark, Mark uh, says one of the disciples is like, wow, Jesus, look, what magnificent buildings these are at the temple. And then Jesus' response was, this is all coming down. Okay, so this is, what's, this is what's happening in context here. And so Jesus is in this passage, he's like kind of trying to expand their thinking. He's like, listen, yeah, beautiful buildings for sure, but, but this is not the center of your spiritual life. A building is not the, the center of your spiritual life. In fact, this particular building will be destroyed is what he's saying. So, 
that, that, but, but when this building is destroyed, that's not necessarily meaning that's the end of all things. Like if this temple comes down, you're still good. Like it doesn't matter what happens here, you're still good. Other things are going to happen. There, there is a, I will be coming again. There is another thing. But it really is not anything related to this temple. And we know that that's true because the temple literally physically did come down about 40 years later. He's saying, listen, this is just, this is just a building. There is much, much, much more to come. So that's one thread you see coming through this uh, 24th chapter. The other one is, uh, another one is the day of the Lord. So this has been a concept in, in, for, the, for the Jewish people and the Jewish religion for a long time. You read about it a lot in the Old Testament too, especially in the prophecies. And they understood, the Jewish people always understood that the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming, which is very much for us as uh, after the cross. So us as Christians, we understand that now as the second coming of Christ. But the day of the, so it's the same basic concept, but they would call it the day of the Lord. And Jesus is speaking to this saying, there is in fact, you're not wrong, there is coming a day when, when the Lord will come and make everything new. We've been talking about this a lot in this, in this series, of course. God has not abandoned the world. The ever-increasing presence of evil and chaos in the world must not discourage you. There's a lot of stuff coming. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. God's judgment will come. His justice will come. And creation will be made new. Everything will be put right again. Then that day will come suddenly. It will come suddenly. But the people of God have nothing to fear because he's going to make it all right. So this was, so he's speaking to the disciples who were Jews and they would understand this concept of day of the Lord. And for us, we understand that we've been promised that Jesus is returning. So we put these concepts together and this thread is also going through this passage. Jesus is talking about the day of the Lord coming. That in fact, the day of the Lord is going to be him coming back and making all things new. Okay, the third thing that we see in this passage is persecution is coming. This is a fun, fun message. Jesus, did you read, did you love that part when we read it? Jesus is just like, hey, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be like, like kicks and giggles for you all the way through. He promised death. He promised suffering. He promised persecution. Did you catch all of that when you read it? Because uh, loyalty to Christ means loyalty to Christ and only Christ. So that means that there's a new standard, there's a new example that we're following, and it's not going to be uh, the most popular thing in the world. And so we, he's just like trying to prepare them. Hey, it's, it's not going to be easy. Just because you hit difficulty doesn't mean that this isn't true. It just means that because you're serving a new master, that's not going to fly with everybody around you. So understand that that's what's going to happen, but stay firm because it will absolutely be worth it in the end. And then, of course, kind of along the lines of the day of the Lord, we also have a very specific reference to the coming of the king, that he is coming, that history is leading to something, that Christ will ultimately triumph. So we see these historical eschatological things uh, threading through this passage, this idea of um, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, which actually happened historically, of course, this idea of the day of the Lord, um, all the way through the Old Testament now, and a new understanding of it in the New Testament that Christ is returning, that persecution is coming, that things are not going to be great, but that the king is coming. That I just, there's a, such a good Gaither song that goes with that, that I'm just going to allow you to just Google on your own, okay, instead of singing it for you this morning. The king is coming. I know my mom's struggling too. She's like, oh, let's just sing it. You want to just come and we'll just do it for them? Okay. Whew, it's okay, guys. You're like, who's the Gaithers? Guys, it's, don't worry about it. Just look it up. 
Sometimes when you grow up in the church, you just have a whole other, you just have a whole other musical genre that you have just in your spirit. So there's a lot to study and understand in this passage for sure. It's actually a fascinating study. Reading what Jesus says all through these passages and following his train of thought and, and thinking, what does this mean for me? Very, like, very fascinating. And for our purposes this morning, like usual, we're going to just, we're going to take the 10,000 foot view here. And basically what Jesus is saying is that the world is in chaos. It's going to get worse. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> but it is going to get better. Okay? That's the 10,000 foot view. You know that angst and anxiety that you feel? Man, man, there's so much of that in our world today, isn't there? You know that worry and that fear that you're always trying to deal with in your own life, in your own situations? You know how sometimes even like that compassion fatigue, if you heard this phrase, sets in? Where somewhere between reading the news headlines and your own news feed on your social media, you're just overwhelmed with compassion fatigue. Like you don't even know what to care about anymore because there's just so many things out there. You know that feeling? Or maybe you know like that heaviness of your own issues. There's just things that we're all working through and dealing with that are difficult. And then you mix those in with the issues of other people in your life who you care about. Maybe somebody in your family was just diagnosed with cancer. Or maybe there's a friend who's going through a, a divorce. Or maybe your brother just lost their job. Or like, you know, there's just your stuff and other people's stuff. And all, well, there's just all the stuff. All. You can feel that chaos. You can feel that brokenness. We try not to sit and dwell on it. And that's probably good. But sometimes we just can't see an end to it, and it just makes us feel pretty tired, right? But I'm here to tell you this morning that we don't have to dread January. I mean, I don't know what your credit card bill is like, so maybe you should be dreading January. But generally speaking, on a spiritual level, <laughs> you don't have to just hope that Christmas never ends and dread January. That's not the message here. You don't have to worry when this season is over and the gray clouds will come and, and think that that's going to be your story until next December when you can maybe, you know, catch a breath of hope and peace and joy and love again. I told you at the beginning that there is two equal opposite truths that everything in the world is noise and chaos all around us or so it seems most of the time and that Jesus is the prince of peace, the creator and sustainer of peace. Those two things being true. So when you think of that and you read Jesus' words here in Matthew 24, you might be wondering why the Prince of Peace is painting such a terrifying picture. Did anybody think about that yet? You're like, you're not doing a super great job of being the Prince of Peace here, Jesus. You're telling us all the things that are difficult and I don't like it. But he's telling us this because I, he's telling us what is. He's telling us what we can expect to come so that we can have full confidence in him. So that no matter what happens, no matter what season we're in, no matter what happens um, in our lives or in our families or in our workplaces or in the world around us, no matter what the season we're in, we know that he can be trusted because he knows what's happening now. He knows what's going to be happening next. And he's told us what will happen in the end. So we can be people full of confidence no matter what happens in our lives. Verse 6, he says, see to it that you are not alarmed. See to it that you are not alarmed. Uh, in, the, in the Greek, literally, he says, keep on seeing that you are not troubled. 
keep on seeing that you are not troubled. Like that, hear that in, in the verb tense, like that continual process. Keep on seeing that you are not troubled. No matter what comes, keep on seeing you're not troubled. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't be led astray. And a lot of people, he says, will be led astray. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. Stuff won't be great because the world needs to be healed. It needs to be made new. That's just the reality. But you are a child of the king. If you know Jesus, you will be gathered to be with him for eternity. That can be made certain because he knew what was happening then. He knew what was happening next. And he's promised us what will happen in the future. And we can be confident in who he is and what he said will happen. So that's why this message is entitled, When You See Chaos, He is Peace. That's our reality, friends. Every day, every season, until the end of the world and for eternity, He is Peace. Verse 8 says that these are the beginning, uh, these are the beginning of birth pains. Great metaphor, hey? Great metaphor, Jesus. These are the beginning of birth pains. Before um, I felt called into full-time ministry, full-time vocational ministry, and uh, decided that was what I was going to do for post-secondary education, I was making plans to become a midwife. And I did my OAC co-op in uh, labor and delivery at Sergeant General Hospital. Uh, and uh, it was amazing. I saw women uh, give birth. They just, they just let me be there. Like I was just, just like an 18-year-old kid, just be like, cool. I don't know who these women were. I asked their permission. They're like, yeah, sure, we don't care if you're here. Um, I got to be in the OR for two C-sections. And the, the OBGYN was like, hey, Tracy, come take a look at this. I'm like, this is amazing. No, I didn't do, I didn't, like, I didn't do anything. Don't worry, I just stood there. They didn't let, like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, like whatever. And not dangerous or anything. Um, I was, I wouldn't say a doula. I would say a helper because I wasn't trained. But uh, I, for friends who have had babies, I've been there in the delivery room. I love labor and delivery. I loved everything about it. And I really wanted to go into that as a profession. Because um, there was, I don't know, there was something about it. But when a, a baby is born... A lot of you have had this experience or, or been there, but if you haven't, let me just describe it to you. It's like, no, no, not like in detail. We're not, you can just like, you can just like, but you know, the really fun part, the fun part, okay? What happens when a baby is born is they, they, they come out and then they are like, ah! and you're just like, whoa! Like, I totally believe that life begins at conception, but when that Baby takes that first breath of air and then screams. You're just like, this is an unbelievable miracle. Like, it's an unbelievable miracle. And I think that's what drew me to the profession. And I've always loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Good metaphor, Jesus, right? Okay. Great. Um, and I, I, I just love it. There's just nothing else like it in the world. But I will also tell you, which you probably already know, labor and delivery is also terrifying and intense and painful. Right? <laughs> So I've never been in labor myself, so you ladies who have been through that might just, just be free to say a resounding amen to the rest of this. But uh, we know that labor starts with uh, the, a first uncomfortable contraction, right? And then uh, it happens more and more often. Each one gets closer together. They get more and more intense. They come in wave after wave until the contractions are hardly discernible from one another. And the body knows to do this, also amazing, the body knows to do this, and then the baby is delivered with those same powerful contractions, and then a new life is born. It's truly unbelievable thing to witness. And that is the picture we're given here in Scripture. 
That's the same metaphor. Actually, same metaphor that's, that Paul uses when he writes to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, he says it like this. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul's basically saying, hey, those of us, the first fruits, the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning like we're the, we're the first ones who, like we're, we, we get to receive salvation from Jesus because of what he did on the cross. That's what he's writing to the early church, right? He's saying like we have a whole new understanding of what the day of the Lord is going to be, of what the return of Christ we, is going to be. We, we like have a whole new understanding because we're in Christ. And in that we wait, just like all of creation waits and groans and, and is looking for all things to be made new, we also are doing that. So that discontent, that understanding that there's chaos around us, understanding that things are not right in the world, that's okay because that just helps us to eagerly anticipate what Jesus is going to do because he's promised to do it. The powers of evil will not give up without a struggle. A broken, fallen, sinful world is not an easy place to live. But you can be fully certain that there is a God. We'll go back to our metaphor who is the attending physician to all of this. He is here, watchful, present, helping, and ultimately bringing life from the pain and suffering, redeeming and restoring now, and finally, at the end of all things, everything made new. So when you see chaos, he is peace. Can you see it? Can you see it? Do you see it? Jesus, at the end of this passage, uses the illustration of a fig tree. And it's really interesting. I don't know anything about fig trees. Anybody else? Anybody ever had a fig tree? We don't really grow those here. Um, but that, so, so just to understand what he's saying here. In my research, it says that fig trees are not very spectacular when they bud. It's not like an apple tree with those giant blossoms that come out and they're beautiful. A fig tree is much more subtle. And when a fig tree begins to bl blossom, the buds begin to come out, it's really easy to overlook. So you have to, if you want to know if, if the fig tree is ready to produce fruit, you have to watch for it. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what we're supposed to do. If we know these things are true, if we can trust him with these things, which, which I believe that we can, we stay alert, we're watchful, we understand the times, and we see to it that we are not alarmed. There were shepherds living out in, a in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All the things that they heard were just as they had been told. I want to invite you to settle your faith on that truth today. No matter what life is throwing at you right now, no matter what comes next, no matter what variant comes next, Jesus, give us strength. No matter what 2022 looks like, you can do more than just hope things will get better. You can actually know the one who gives peace to walk through every season in your life today and trust him for today and know that your eternity is secure because all the things that we have heard will happen just as they have been said. Do you know him? Do you trust him? And will you allow him to take your chaos and exchange it for his peace this morning? Rob, why don't you come? Rob did such a beautiful job. Uh, you have to understand that these songs that we put together on a Sunday morning, uh, that he puts together, he does it from a, usually from a sermon title. <laughs> so he does a great job figuring out what's happening. Um, and especially this morning. Really great, really great. Um, you get, <laughs> you don't get a raise, but you do get extra points. <laughs> Ten points for Rob. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, good question. I mean, fair question. Um, and I, I want to invite you into this uh, prayer. I look around a room like this and I just, I, I recognize in every one of our lives, the enemy wants to speak fear. Fear keeps us where we're standing. Fear keeps us backing away from the things that God is calling us into. Oh yeah, I was actually gonna do the one before that, but I love this too. You go, you do what you, you know what? Both of them are great. Oceans is great. Tremble is great. Let me start with tremble and then just see what, see what happens. Okay. And then, uh, this is how we do, this is how we do church. Is everybody cool? Yeah. Um, you're both such excellent choices. Uh, so, I understand that for some of us, there's a medical diagnosis that keeps us in fear. For some of us, it's this, uh, I don't know if you know, we've been in a pandemic for almost two years now. And there are things that just grip your heart in fear. For some of us, it's, it's the, there's just an uncertainty about 2022 and it's just hard to even be excited about turning over a new year. And there's fear that grips you and just whatever. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Every one of us dealing with fear in different ways. 
just feeling inadequate in different ways, feeling like maybe you want to step out in something, but you just know that you could never do that. It would never work out, whatever. And the enemy would want to speak fear and doubt and lies into your life. And I would just invite you that when the world around you is chaos, when the voices in your own mind, the battle in your own mind is chaos, that the one that you serve if you are in Christ is literally the creator and sustainer of peace. And that the things that he speaks can be trusted today and for eternity. And I would invite you to settle that and decide today that you are not going to be a person who walks in fear. See to it that you are not alarmed as the world goes closer and closer like like birth pains towards delivery, towards new life. See to it that you are not alarmed because you literally know personally the Prince of Peace. You've been invited into his family. You are covered under the protection of his wing. So no matter what happens around you, your life is safe and secure in Christ. So whatever that is for you, I don't know what the Spirit is speaking to you and pointing out in your life. Like if you're new to to the faith or you're still trying to figure this out, we truly believe because we've experienced it so much and Scripture tells us that when there are things that God wants to say, He really does speak. And there are thoughts and ideas that come to our minds in moments like this that we didn't come up with on our own. just allow like God to speak to our hearts and say you you can let go of that you can be free of that you can just trust me you can just trust me why don't we stand together let's use this song of worship as a as exactly that as a prayer and say Lord bring peace bring it